are. You are this is episode forty of Badass Records podcast. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Um, I can only. I mean, hats off to you for driving to a virtual stranger's house and going down to their basement to talk about music. Yeah, you know, it was kind of because sometimes when you're married, you know, and you have to ask permission for your, from your wife. It's and nice of you like, to say sometimes. She she was like, wait a minute. First of all, like, what do you mean you're doing a podcast <laughs> and with who? A person that you don't know. Like, a lot of skepticism sure. there. But I'm like, well, I don't know. But that's what, that is what's happening. And, and she was like, well, what's the podcast about? And I was like, music. And she was like, oh. And so anyway, but um, yeah. Okay. So I figured I would give you a phone call so that she could hear. Oh, is that, that what that was about? I wondered. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, I was, uh, I was glad you called. I was immediately nervous that you were already on the porch and I was running a very quick errand, but, um, no, thank you for being here. And, uh, thanks to your missus for sort of green lighting. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's cool. <laughs> uh, so, so I guess you guys were both born here in KC then? No. Who? You and Keith. Oh yes. Okay. Kansas. And your moms knew each other. Uh, yeah, I don't know how, but yes, they, okay. they knew each other probably from something weird like League of Women Voters type deal, to be honest. Okay. I think that's the connection. And how did your folks meet each other? Uh, so my dad worked for TWA and my mother also. So my dad was a corporate counsel for TWA okay. and then my mother was a, a, a stewardess. Oh, which wow. now they call a flight attendant. Sure. But back in the day, you know, they had really nice uniforms. Yep. They had to meet a certain standard. <clears throat> and, of course, my dad, who was flying around, tried to pick up a flight attendant, which is so bad, but that's what happened. I mean, it's bad in 2022 <laughs> terms, but, I mean, back right. in this... Back then, and I guess he was able to uh, get her phone number and keep in touch with her. and uh, And then I think... He sealed the deal when she uh, was in the hospital with something like appendicitis. Oh, my. And he stepped up and visited her. And okay. I think, and that was kind of like, oh, okay. Well, that was sweet of him. Yeah. Um, and then do you have siblings? I do. Okay. I have an older brother. Okay. Uh, he's three years older and lives in Austin, Texas. Okay. Everyone kind of migrated to Texas. Oh, funny. But, but I stayed here. So, okay. Yeah. Um, and do, did your, uh, f folks put, uh, uh, music on in the house when you guys were kids? Not so much. I mean, uh, okay. Yes. I mean, but they didn't put it on. We did. Oh, okay. So like back when we were growing up, it was literally none of the rules that applied today applied then. Of course not. So we would wake up, we had, we were deeply into BMX. Uh, we could, nice assemble and disassemble and do everything that was needed on a bike and I, it's like you wake up probably eat something and then hit the bike you're out the door parents don't know where you are um downstairs we were kind of the house to go to we had a pool table and we had a, a record machine nice vinyl records and so like a jukebox no or a record no, player a record player okay and I recently recovered all of the vinyl records from my childhood that my brother was like, man, 
you remember how we treated those, they're going to suck. Like, they're going to be, like, all scratched. Better to have them than wonder where whatever happened to and them. And they're going to be warped and all this other stuff. And so I picked them up, and I w- started playing them. I picked them up, like, about a year ago. And it's a really cool collection. They're in way better shape than nice. you could ask for. And it's, like, funny things like a compilation called Rock 80. Sure. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. But uh, we literally have the entire Kiss collection from like Destroyer to the individual ones like Gene Simmons Whoa. and Peter Chris and that you and your brother acquired on your own. Yeah. Back when we were, yeah. Sure. And, I, and um, I think records back then were maybe like around $3, three dollars, three ninety nine, yeah. something like that. But um, so we've got some cool stuff. Uh, literally every, I've got multiple copies of kiss albums. So oh, wow. we have d- Two copies of Double Platinum, oh, wow. Kiss Alive One, <clears throat> two copies of Kiss Alive Two, Love Gun, etc. And then there's also just some really cool stuff that I was like, wow, I can't believe that um, Emotional Rescue from the Rolling Stones, original. Wow. Which is like really cool. Some, uh, trying to think, Hall and Oates, you know, some things you don't really want to. Admit I mean, to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but there's nothing the, wrong with some hollow notes for the most part. It's like we had uh good taste in music, in my opinion. That's sure. going to be very subjective to everyone. Um, but um, Sticks Paradise Theater okay. is one of them, yeah, there's some, some cool stuff that when you throw it on now, you're like, okay, yeah, um, Sticks it, sounded wild in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, you're like, this is futuristic and full yeah. of energy, and now you're like. I used it's, to listen to all that a lot. Like, yeah, huh. I mean, but it, it's not bad. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's stood up, you know, and honestly, like a lot of the Kiss stuff, which I, I don't want to give the impression that I am around the house because I do have a record player and a decent, like a, a really good sound system. Nice. And I'm like, I, even though I have the records, I'm not playing them. You know, they're up in the attic because I'm sure. just like, man, it's not, I'm just not into it. But I did go through them to hear how what shape they were in. And I'm like, the music holds up for, for like basically a kind of a, kind of a, I want to call them just kind of like a blues band. Sure. Um, yeah. Because a lot of people, when I was in junior high, ACDC was really, really heavy, you know, and Rush seemed really, really heavy. And, it this now when I look back at it, it's like it's not heavy and right. ACDC is a blues band. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Led Zeppelin is a blues band. Yep, for and sure. they're great, you know. And I love that. But back in the day, it was like I don't know if it was the black concert T-shirts or whatever, but it just seemed so heavy. Well, if you look at something like Immigrant Song, you know that was pretty wild. Yeah, I mean. But yeah, they and they got after it. I mean, they did Days and Confused and whole lot, a whole lot of love, like some. Yeah. Well, and then I mean, Physical Graffiti. Yes. In its entirety, is like dark and yes. got this like kind of spooky building for the album art, and it's got some really long, uh, intriguing, thought provoking tracks. Uh, definitely not the Beatles. I mean, right. When the Beatles were poppy and right. on, the, on the oldies channel and um so and, and, and widely unaccepted by the way it seems like when you look back at the releases of led zeppelin albums it seems like the general public maybe they were holding them up to the standard of the beatles or something but i i don't think it was that popular when they released uh, zeppelin one i could be wrong i know i think you're 100 percent right and i think I, people were like um 
what's like this is not good or why why is it not three minutes and 45 seconds and why is it not verse verse chorus verse verse chorus monkeys yeah yeah Yeah. right um but you know i i don't i I try to avoid dwelling excuse me on led zeppelin whenever they come up because i was a big big zeppelin nerd and like kind of how my friends poked fun at me and identified me, you know, cause like that's all I listened to, which is not accurate, but mm. anyway, I big fans and they, you know, whenever somebody picks a Zeppelin album to talk about here, I'm like, sweet. You oh, know? Okay. Yeah. I'm stoked. Um, so was this like, uh, where you would your folks like, how did this, uh, if they weren't playing music, but then you and your brother were, where did the idea stem from? Was it like friends were doing it and so then you have an allowance and they're taking you to the record store or? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Friends were not doing it. I don't know. We just had a vinyl record and I absolutely had to make sure that my son grows up with vinyl records. So I was like, You know, in this day and age, I appreciate Alexa and streaming and everything on demand. But I'm like, the kid's got to have a record player. There's just certain things that I want a kid to have. Another thing that I think would be good for a kid to have is a dog. But quite frankly, we travel too much to have a dog. Do you? What, for pleasure, all for pleasure? or I do international business. Oh, you do? What do you do? Yeah. Um, So kind of heavy highway building and infrastructure projects. Okay throughout the world okay uh pre-pandemic i was traveling or slash living maybe like 70 to 80 percent of the time outside of the country um there would be times when we would have a lot of projects going on in a given area and if it's a nice enough area i would be like screw it i'm just gonna move down there so panama was one that we did uh kind of the Panama Canal expansion on both sides. And then at the same time, we were also doing the rehabilitation of the entire Pan American Highway. So like 185 kilometers of of highway and then also the Panama Canal. And I'm like, well, instead of flying down here every week or every other week, let's just move here. And at the time, my wife, um, who's from Malaysia, uh, she joined me in Panama. Okay. And then... I kind of took her around to places uh, that involved, excuse me, that involved, you know, work as well. We went up to Guatemala and then Colombia, sure. Like that. So yeah. And you're and you, so how long have you been married? Uh, seven years. Okay, and your kiddos too. Yeah. He's okay. Just turned two. Um, and is your last name at all affiliated with the work that you do? Because it's got a familiar ring to it, but I don't know where from. No. No, okay. No. All right. Is it your own gig or do you work for somebody? Or? I work for somebody. Okay. Yes. You've been doing this? For quite a while. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, so we sort of uh, lobbied a list of records back and forth via text for a minute and then settled on, on eight. Um, we, we, can, we can dive deep into them. We can touch on them. We can... Feel free to derail and go a different direction if it feels like it. There's not really a format other than just sitting here with you <laughs> talking music. So, okay. But typically, what I'll do is I'll, I'll 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 approach the list chronologically, and so if we stay in that, um, we start off with uh, Tronsa. 
by Caetano Veloso. Okay, yeah. From 1972. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. Okay, let's let's have a look at that. I mean, um, I had a dude on uh, a couple months ago who, circumstantially, he wound up being uh, born in Puerto Rico, but like his folks and like he was raised in the Dominican. They're all from the Dominican. Um, so we we spent most of our time talking about a, a an artist from the Dominican Republic, which was fantastic because mm-hmm. nobody else is gonna you know. I'm I'm never gonna get steered in that direction if if somebody doesn't. Right. So, uh, this is Brazilian stuff, yes. uh, and this cat is like kind of a genius. It would seem composer, musician, writer, sort of a key um, uh, founder for tro- tropicalismo. Uh, uh, yeah, tropicalia. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which is uh, 1960s theater, poetry, music, performing art ish kind of. Yeah, and it. Like these days in Brazil, they call it MPB, which is Musica Popular Brasileira. Sure. Um, and it encompasses, I mean, Caetano, Gil Gilberto, Marisa Monchi. There's like a ton that are kind of classified in, in that category. And it's really hard to pick one, uh, except that, again, like I feel like the body of work that he's put out has been uh, amazing, diverse. Uh, you either like his voice or you don't. Um, but and, and maybe people tuning in in Kansas City and you throw them on, you're like, uh, I, I'm not sure about this. But if you're down in Brazil on a beach and that's playing in the background, it kind of gives it a little bit different. Like, uh, sure. Well, if you're even if you're lukewarm, I mean, you don't know me as the opening track, which is very, very inviting mm. and fun and warm. And I mean, it's very, very diggable. Um, it's it's really gorgeous, like just right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, but he uh, and I mean, what a wild record to start with. But he um, wrote this in exile. He was Correct. in London. Yes. I don't understand exactly. Um, so we, we've got a right wing Brazilian military government and then a Marxist influenced college student body, so to speak on the left, mm-hmm. uh, that both, they both hated tropicalia, tropicalismo. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't really get why. I mean, well, I think, I mean, what first of all? Well, sorry. What what is Marxism? I'm not like I have a very small wheelhouse of things that I'm good okay. at and smart. So Marxist meaning what is that? Is that like communist? What what is the? Yeah, Marxist is like from Karl Marx, and sure. it kind of goes along. Yeah, I would say, um, and I I'm not gonna delve into because I'm not qualified to <laughs> the differences between Marxism and communism, but they're definitely connected. Okay. And so, and, and they're basically in a military regime in Brazil and actually in like every country, it's very important to control the media. Um, you really see it in Brazil. I mean, really, they've got, uh, probably the most powerful entity in Brazil is, uh, called Hedge Globo. Okay. And that is, I think they reach about 98% of household TVs across the country. And so if you look at Hedge Globo, they determine who is going to be elected as president, who is going to be famous, who is going to be like Shusha is a very famous actress slash singer, 
but that's with the blessing of Hedge Global. Okay. Um, so you got to play the game down there in Brazil. I mean, it's it's similar in probably every country, but if you look at the U.S., there's so many media outlets that span kind of the political spectrum that it's not that big of a deal. Right. But in Brazil, man, you've got one. And this is so this but this record is from 1972, and, and today today this is still the case down there, or back then? Oh, I'm saying yeah, definitely today today. Really? And certainly back then, yeah. You think I mean, of Brazil, and I think of Rio, and everybody's like partying and wearing swimsuits and just fucking all the time i mean i don't that's i guess there's some other things happening there too yeah i mean um so at the time uh, i mean i don't know it's weird because the military regime a lot of people were against it um, but then when they became democratic and there was uh, maybe I'd say the level of corruption increased, a lot of people look back similar to Spain where they were like under um, in potentially even like the Philippines, you know, but you're like w- when you're under a dictatorship, a lot of people complain and feel like it's oppressive. Sorry. No, that's all right. But then, you know, when they do get the experience of a democracy, um, I don't know, a lot of people that I, I lived in Brazil for like four years and a lot of people look back and they're like, man, those were the best days uh, of Brazil. And really? a lot of people are kind of have been hoping that it would revert back into kind of a dictatorship. Because right now, if you look at the political spectrum, which is way off the subject, it's quite all right. I, I apologize. Quite all right. No, no, it's good. It's but, good stuff. But you got you got um, Lula Ignacio da Silva, who was in jail for corruption up until like two years ago. He's a former president of Brazil. Okay. And was caught like stealing all kinds of money, corruption, all this other stuff, went to jail. He's one of the candidates. And then the other one is a guy named Bolsonaro, who's super right wing. They call him the Trump of the tropics. Oh, boy. If that can give you an idea. And, <laughs> and, and those are the two choices that the people have okay. down there. Kind and of... I I just can't express my dislike more for both of them. I just, I just don't it sounds like what slim pickings. What those people do, you know. But, you know, and I don't really want to voice too many of my political feelings. But if you look at the U.S., it's kind of the same. It's like... I don't feel certainly we can come up with better candidates with the population that the United States has. I mean, like we're what close to 400 million people and this is what we can get. This is this. These are our options. Why? I mean, why? Why? I <laughs> so mean, anyway. I think money is always the answer, but yeah. I don't I don't know. Um, so he um, was in exile. Yes. In, in, England, in England. And I believe he released three albums. Three. OK. His exile. Um, I mean, just bananas to think about like you know living in a military regime uh living in a your your homeland that uh, collectively says you can't you can't live here anymore you gotta go until we say i mean so i mean it seems to me you know sometimes the art comes from uh And it wasn't just him. There was a number of artists in Brazil at that time that, for whatever reason, had to flee. I think Gilles Gilberto left. Yep. Um, He's got Hita Lee, which is another famous MPB um, artist who is, I believe, his sister. Okay. So, I mean, he comes from a musical family and a musical background. 
but what sealed it for me, man, was like, well, living in Brazil and and hearing him for so many years. And really, I, I gained a lot of respect for him. I like his voice. And then I got to see him live. Oh, cool. I, I've seen him live at Carnival because there are carnivals in, in Salvador, da Bahia in particular. Um, they have all of the musicians from the Northeast. They show up and they're actually the ones on... They call them the Trio Electricos, which is basically like a semi-truck full of speakers. And they're okay. on top of it. Nice. <laughs> Blasting out That sounds music. cool. Yeah. Uh, so that's how this record, land, or he landed in your lap, was because you were living there. Uh, yeah. Okay. And, and so when I finally returned to the United States, I mean, I was heavily influenced by um, Brazilian culture, food. I mean, I still, to this day, it's like that's... Uh, but when I came back, I mean... I'm cooking Brazilian food. I'm listening to their music. I've got um, the all their TV channels through DirecTV. Wow. Because I'm into the um, football, you know, the soccer. Sure. And I'm like, man, I really... So I had kind of my house in KC set up for, for kind of being almost like you're in Brazil, connected. And um, I brought every album that I could. A lot of them I owned um, in Brazil, but he released a collection at the time, which was every CD or DVD like format that he's ever done. So it was something like his body of work was something like 40 or 42. Wow. And I had to track this thing down. And I mean, it wasn't cheap. It was something like $700. Oh my God. And I think I bought the thing um, from Amazon in France. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only place that I could find it. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. I mean, but I own it and I love it and it's good, you know. But I just, I, 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 and I, I, I do still listen to it, but just, you know, life ebbs and flows of what, what you're sure. into and what you're Absolutely. not. Absolutely. What, and, uh, Go ahead. Oh, and I was going to say, and so, I mean, so much so that when we first discussed the possibility of sitting down and talking was maybe two and a half, three months ago, and I put out like a list of things, and I'm like, man, I'm I'm not listening to any of the stuff I told him that. Like, maybe I was then, but that's how much things kind of shift yeah. in my household and yep. what I'm throwing on the turntable. And, and so that's where I started kind of interviewing friends of mine specifically like if you were stuck on a desert island and you could only pick five artists or bands you know and you've got to take into account the body of work because maybe i like alice and chains more than i like pearl jam but if you need it if you're stuck and you got to choose one on a desert island i'm probably going to go with pearl jam because they've got way more catalog yes yes they do um Especially when they released like every single live album when they were touring for free. Um, I don't know. Like, so they, they've got a lot of stuff to listen to. And, and, and then I started snooping around trying to get, well, I, I was getting kind of feedback from a, a number of friends and people of throwing out band names, which are all over the place. And it's funny that nobody's going to agree on, on anybody's five choices. Right. But, uh, then I, I apparently I, I came up and I found out that that somebody in this room is sounds like they're a pretty big fish fan. Oh, and might have gone to maybe 150 fish shows. <laughs> how did how did, did did Keith spill the beans on that one? <laughs> and I was like, that's interesting because in the olden days, 
around this time of year, I would be down in Arkansas at the Harvest Moon Festival, and that was usually headlined almost always by uh, uh, Yonder Mountain Street. Okay, yeah. And man, I like I can't. Those are some of the best shows, best days. And I'm like, so I can totally appreciate the jam band scene. I know everyone's got their favorite. For me, with Jeff Austin and like Yonder down there was just amazing, magical. This time of year in Arkansas is so fun, and you're camping and you're dirty, and it's like <laughs> up all night. And, yeah. And we'll keep this PG, but just all kinds of things going on. I mean, it's not good, just uh, times. water and kale smoothies. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, um, not hundred, only 80, uh, I, oh, August, I did a three night run in Atlantic city, cool. uh, shouts out to Jake, my, my kind of my longtime, uh, show buddy. I've probably seen four, four, well, let's see. I've definitely seen half of those shows with him. Um, but we met in Atlantic city and all, all three nights were on the beach and it was just super fantastic. Partied on the boardwalk all night. Not all night, but each night after the show. Um, it, the chips fell uh, where they did in, in a way that gave me the uh, um, opportunity to name my kids after. I mean, uh, you, you when I said Alehu, uh you're like, what? Um, so um, that's a, a character in Sample in a Jar, a track okay. from Hoist, uh, 1995. And then uh, they, not not so much now. I mean, they do a little bit, but over the years, they have uh, occasionally they'll do an acapella number, um, barbershop quartet style, uh, and they used to cover Sweet Adeline, a musical from the '30s. Um, You're the flower of my heart, Sweet Adeline, and that that's my daughter. I mean, so I I got I got lucky there nice. that I could just. Yeah, on the gender and just match it up to the name. Right. Well, and it's not that either of those songs are my favorites, but it was an opportunity right. to. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, kind of been my bread and butter since the early 90s. Cool. But uh, but I, I'm also dipping in, in and out of pockets everywhere, you know. Uh, like last week on Tuesday, I saw Goose. Um, at the uh, the Midland, Midland. yeah, and I heard that was uh, my buddy is kind of like I don't know what his title is. He's not the GM, but he's someone down there. Okay, he, he does like all the maintenance and runs all the shows. Okay, and so he 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 gives me the lowdown on every show and something about nitro like sure nitrous well, oxide balloons and things you, of that nature uh so i heard the, it was a crazy show <laughs> it's there the, it's the the thing so i saw him last year in october at the truman and it was and it was it was full uh and really good energy um and i'm i'm not i'm just kind of making an appearance because i feel like i should be there right. and i enjoy it like yeah. they they find it i was talking to the last guest uh, who's that's like he is all in like he is going out to Colorado for Goosemas and Christmas oh, yeah. in December, um, but he is all in and I uh, I, I feel like they are f- very fun and very talented and they can find it you know in moments where you're like mm-hmm. oh my god and they have you know and then mm-hmm. it's, but um, and then so that that was fun but um, 
Wednesday night of this week, <clears throat> I saw uh, Kurt Vile um, in Lawrence at Liberty Hall, and I can't stop thinking about that show. It was so. I mean, I get goosebumps. It was so incredible. Um, and I, you know, I've been kind of into him for just just a minute, but I've but I've really only stuck to one record. I, in fact, leading up to the show, I found out that he put out a new one this year and it came out, it's been out since April. So I listened to it real quick, but this other record that I've been sort of fixated on has got, it's, it's 16, uh, the re-release version has got like 16 or so tracks and there's like five of them on there that have just been medicinal. I mean, like if I'm feeling blue or if I'm having kind of one of those euphoric moments where I'm driving and it's a gorgeous day, I mean, it's, I, I keep going to it. I keep going to it. Um, and he is really, really talented. And it, um, it wasn't until the second to last song to close the set that he played the same guitar for two consecutive songs. I mean, he's got a ton of guitars, and they were all really nice, and of course have very unique sounds. Um, and he is just kind of like different story when you're talking about his studio stuff. But for this, this is the only time I've seen him. This live performance, he's kind of just like whatever about the vocals. Like I'll I'll step up to the mic at the right time, and I'll make sure that the words come out of my mouth. But I'm not necessarily trying to carry a tune. Mm-hmm. But he is shredding, like, mm-hmm. and and it's not like a Ingwe Malmsteen, mm-hmm. you know, virtuoso kind. Of, it's all. I mean, half of the time he was playing a plugged in acoustic. Mm-hmm. Um, but and, and it's so where I've been stuck since Wednesday night was like, I've seen so many shows like across, you know, since the late '80s, early '90s, and that one is it's going to be up there for a minute and that's great you know uh just well and we we were kind of talking about this last night um because and i hate to like bring it into the podcast but obviously the pandemic affected live music and people that are into live music and people that perform live music for a good minute and my 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 family had all migrated down to Austin and I was couldn't have been happier you know cuz I'm like cool south by southwest ACL of course from from the get go i mean in ACL like years 1 2 and 3 nobody showed up so you had a great kind of proportion of porta potties to people and beer lines and everything was like perfect and the talent they were bringing in and you know south by same thing like a wristband was 25 bucks and you could actually get into the shows and and so all that was really cool um and so i i've definitely seen like a a a decent amount of live music but then it just kind of came to a screeching halt for everyone and now when i'm talking to people because somebody uh from the brewery last night um had talked about seeing lizzo okay down at and, uh, T-Mobile yes, a couple how, a week or so ago. Yes, and how and she characterized it as one of the best shows that she's ever seen. And so I start seeing like this theme and I had to ask her this question and I want to ask you the question, how much of that is due to 
I don't know. Like, is it the timing of the show with kind of the starvation that we've had because of the pandemic or it's just stands individually on by itself as one of the best shows that you've seen? The latter. The latter. I mean, uh, as soon as um, we were able, like, uh, I've seen a a bunch of musical shows this year Mm -hmm. um, and saw some last year, but I mean, as soon as stuff started to open up, I started, I went on like a a binge of stand-up shows Mm. and I saw like nine or 10 in a row, Mm -hmm. all almost, I think all solo, just bought one ticket and went by myself Mm -hmm. and I love, I've always loved stand-up. Um, but, um, I don't, I, you know, Liberty hall is uh, kind of a special place. Lawrence is a special place. You have a flag outside of your house. I do. I do. But I mean, so like, and and I have a degree from that school as well. So so, uh, when I was, I graduated in 93, Mm. um, for a chunk of high school, there was a, a thing called the green light. Uh, and somebody had access to some warehouse space and it was like the best little secret, like, and somebody like organized and made flyers and there would be bands and we'd go to people were partying. We, nobody was supposed to be down there. Uh, it, it got shut, you know, busted up a couple times. And then finally somebody figured out how to like close it down for good. That was great. Um, and it really was a stepping stone for me. Uh, to start going to Lawrence uh, to see shows. Uh, luckily, I could get in with the fake ID. I had a car, you know, so I could. I, I was kind of dipping in, you know, junior year and senior year in and out of Lawrence to see shows. Did you ever make it to the outhouse? I never did. Darn it. I know. Um, but everybody that I know has been uh, says, you got to go at least once. And I'm like, I know. I'm whenever. Just tell me the day and I'll. <laughs> but. It, does that even function anymore? I think so. I think okay. it does. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I just, there was, it was very, I mean, he had a tapestry hanging, Kurt Vile and the Violators, and kind of, here's the name of the new record, and um, he had an, an opening band that was like two gals, and uh, they did a 45-minute set, and I mean, 10, 12 songs, and very, just very very informal uh yeah i think they said hey we we have merch you know and Mm -hmm. but nothing nothing no big performance nothing you know pump you up kind of thing and then there was a little intermission intermission and then uh kurt vile came out and uh he just you know uh in between most songs somebody would be like love you kurt and he'd be like i love you too and then somebody (laughs) hollered out a request and he's like what was it and they said it again. He's like, "Ah, you wish." I'm an old man. I can't remember that that far back now. You yeah, know, that's... some some song off some record a while ago. Yeah. Uh, and they, I mean, they just crushed it, man. It was just very, so you know, and all attention to all details was just went to the product that the ticket holder is getting. It's none of this like bells and whistles and mm-hmm. you know, little tiny affect from the light show, mm-hmm. um, but. It just was really, really good. Um, that that kind of reminds me of, of something similar where uh, I don't know if you know who Howie Day is. He's from Maine. Okay. And I kind of came across him. I, I get back in the day, I got all my new music tips and things going on nationwide from going to South by and to ACL. 
Okay. And that's where, and then I would come back from South by and my friends would always be like, Hey man, let's go drink some beers. I want to hear. And then they would be like, who were your top eight or top 10 this year? And I'd fill them in, you know, and, and you're, you're seeing like really cutting edge, cool things that become mainstream, uh, within that year or, you know, from there, it's, it's kind of like the South by has a, a definite, a, a, their thumb on the pulse of what's going on. And, and not that they're launching the acts, but they definitely know who's up and coming. And, and, and so you kind of get a lot of insight. Well, from, I think, from there. I think Austin in general yeah. does too. Yeah. So it's kind of a perfect little, yeah. But it, but so so we were so Howie Day was playing at the record bar. Okay, and I was really really excited about this because he what he does is he is basically a solo artist with a guitar, and he's genius because he does a lot of loops. Oh, nice! And he loops yeah. on loops on loops. So he does percussion on the guitar. He does, and then when he's okay with that sound, you know, he locks it in, and and so kind of his mo is by the end of a any given song he might have like six or seven tracks sure. going and he's singing over it, which is really, really cool. And I wanted to see that in like an intimate space, like the record bar. And at the time I wanted to take my girlfriend who was into music and whatnot. And so she was really excited. We get up to record bar and he's playing and it starts out and it sounds great, but he doesn't get halfway through the first song. Somebody, on Southwest Traffic, Southwest Trafficway. Oh no! They they derail off of the thing, and they they actually hit like the electrical box or something for the power of that little like uh, I don't know what it is. You know, by the Ace yeah hardware yes, and yes. The, all the power went out. And and that was did that. And, and you're like, dude, this guy, this guy, like we're there for basically effects, you know, like guitar effects and all this other stuff. The power goes out, and I'm just like, oh my god, you got to be kidding me! And so they stop the show. They light candles, and they're like, okay, give us about ten minutes or twelve minutes. And so now record bars all lit by candles. Howie Day's like, no worries, man. Get Gets out of here. There, plays the best show. Whoa. like ever that is so cool no effects needed just him and the guitar and like you never will get to see that again nope and did you what when you when it was all over and you're walking out did it feel like it's everybody awesome. everybody was on the same page vibe <laughs> yeah. wise oh yeah everyone was like that's fucking awesome because <laughs> the guy it. has talent he doesn't hide behind it he just was like oh well We'll do this now. Oh, fuck, man. That's Guy's so got cool. Talent. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, really cool. That's really cool. So, did, did would did Record Bar recover from that, or was that the end of their? Or did they just repair and now they're functioning again? Oh no, the car did not go through Record Bar. Okay. It skipped off a median and hit like one of those rectangle like boxes. Yeah. Or something. I'm I'm not quite sure, but I guess a car ran over and I don't know what they're called, but whatever the power supply sure, is sure. for that plaza just knocked out the okay. entire thing i'm trying to some and some venue obviously record bar no longer is in that facility they moved downtown that's what it is that's what it yeah. is uh to a much bigger space okay have I, you have you seen a show there i have and uh it's it's a lot bigger than the sure. original sure so. Uh, but I, 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 I want to, I genuinely want to, uh, dip my toes in the water of, of Lizzo. I haven't done it yet, mm. but I suspect, I mean, no disrespect to her. I'm sure she's really talented and fun, 
but I suspect that there's more of a, uh, this is a production. Like, mm-hmm. this is a spectacle we're going to give. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the music is great. They're, obviously, mm-hmm. people are buying tickets because they love it. Mm-hmm. But I, compared to either of the examples that we just shared, right. you know, it, it's got to be a big me, boom. kind of like The weekend would fall into that category, which I, I, I love listening to weekend, but I'm at, you know, and... Yeah, I get it. Like, I mean, if you're in contention to do the halftime of the Super Bowl type performer, it's a performance. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, let's see. Uh, we're on episode 40 and back to episode 7. Uh, I forget how, because uh, these conversations kind of just mm-hmm. go. But Bob, Bob Marley came up, and um, this guy said... Uh, I said something about, um, I think I made a compliment to Marley's studio discography and the guests said, I mean, aren't they kind of all the same? Mm -hmm. And I was very insulted Mm -hmm. by that because I had, I had a pocket, a long pocket of Marley Mm -hmm. where it was like, I knew Survivor, I knew Kaya, I knew, and, and I think, yes, it's all reggae and reggae can be monotonous, but I have very, uh, I'd have to jog my memory to sort of really refresh, but uh, I remember having specific relationships with each of those records mm-hmm. and liking them. And so uh, from 72 to 78, Babylon by Bus was on the list that we were talking about. Yeah, um, absolutely. Wh- fascinating to me uh, because it's a live record. Yes, um, he had two. And what was the other one? Live. Okay, uh, after 78? Before, Before I believe. I think oh, because he was, was only alive for three more years after this yeah, one. Yeah, I think Babylon by Bus was his second, like, officially released live album, and the first one's just live, a um, little bit older stuff. Sure. So Both good records. Caetano, because you're living in Brazil, how did Bob Marley wind up in your in your well, life? Well, again, we were going on this premise, like, at least in my mind. Um, I, I've been trying you and I were texting back and forth and it was like, Hey, you know, pick a few records can be three, five, eight, something like that. And I was like, records, man. Oh, that's good. Albums, albums. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then it was like, what about artists? And then I was kind of like, what about even, even that that's very, very, everyone that I've discussed this with has been challenged by it and they're going nuts, but they, are still sending me things today, you know, like, what about CCR? What about, and Hey, Keith gave me a great one today. Uh, the almond brothers. Okay. Something like, man, they got 48 albums. Cause what we were talking about at BE last night was if you could only pick like five artists or bands and their catalog stranded on a desert Island. Right. So that's very important because I'm like, there was a stage in my life that I was really into Metallica or whatever. And I'm like, I'm not going to want to be on a desert Island listening to Metallica. <laughs> right. I, That's not, I, I or, don't want to be there with you if you are. Right. By the or, way, or, or, you know, Pink Floyd for that matter, sure, which sure. I was super into Pink Floyd when you were into Zeppelin and all that stuff. I was also like, way, way into Floyd. Right. And it's like, I don't want to listen to Floyd on desert island so that's kind of where bob marley kind of won a certain spot because who doesn't like reggae on desert island and he's got a great body of collection you know collection of work uh but then of course last night everyone has their opinion and they're like man it's they kind of did that same thing like it all sounds the same oh. like that reggae beat and all sort of stuff and i'm like ah 
I don't know, man. In in reggae is really special when you hear it live. Yes. It's it's not like on the radio or dude, it's like being in a spiritual with the mist coming up and the fog on the in just like the the kind of the mesmerizing sound of like the percussion is just incredible. And you only see that in like these areas of like the Afro-Caribbean sure. nations, like going to the hills of Bahia to a, to a Candomblé type performance or something, or like in Jamaica, or the, it's completely different live, folks. I mean, it's there's nothing, in my opinion, monotonous about it. It's fucking cool. Well, uh, I mean, the Whalers, Peter Tosh, Bunny Whaler, Bob. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't. I'm, I'm certainly no reggae uh, expert, but I, 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 that's pretty tops. I right. think I don't, I don't know because you can. I mean, the reggae on the rocks at Red Rocks uh, maybe still happens, uh, but was around for years. And that's an, like an all day Saturday day into the night kind of thing. And I, you know, I think if you're uh, just going with a friend who had a free ticket and you were available, like the whole festival might start to sound similar uh <clears throat> but i mean there have been uh i mean israel vibrations uh steel pulse uh i mean you gotta at least throw a partial nod to ziggy um there's been damien's like yeah. some of the offspring but yep. then you also have people like is it is it the madman and what I'm referring to, I think I think he's called the Madman, but he does a lot of um, dubs. Oh, Mad Professor. The Mad Professor, yeah. and he goes off with yep. the reggae genre and, and and makes it really cool. Yeah, uh, and he was um, that stuff's like totally cool. Yeah, when, when he gets his hands Very on that cool. stuff, it's like whoa. Uh, he was around for uh, a minute uh, doing some of that stuff with the Whalers. Yeah, uh, I might not have written it down, but. Um, Man, uh, that definitely brings a new dimension into that type of music that like screams festival. Yes, screams like, man, we're having so much fun. Like, you know. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, it's uh, Louis C.K. has a bit, a couple, couple different bits about uh, one of them's about the Bible, uh, and he's like, "Do you think that back then they were like walking around being like, we're going to be in the Bible? Like that was am- this is going to be amazing." Uh, and then he has another one about Auschwitz, uh, and he says, um, "How how weird would it be if like back then they were like they're going to sell tickets to this?" Um, and that is so bad. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, so there funny. there's no denying that. Uh, I, even if the, the 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 person that hates reggae more than anybody else in human history cannot uh, argue with the notion that Bob is and was an icon, and so it made me wonder, like, do you think in the uh, in the vein of that those two Louis C.K. bits, do you think that Bob was ever like, I want to be a fucking icon, like you know, like people are going to be listening to my stuff for decades uh after i'm gone i think so because he was a very confident person okay um and as a lot of successful people are he's a huge perfectionist okay so a lot of people think okay this guy's like definitely smoking blunts all day and but when it came down to his profession 
it was a huge deal. Absolutely. And a lot of work went into it and it was way more than just the music. It was about Rastafarian culture yep. and the rising of the people, equality, like just listen to the words. Yeah. Right. And of course I think that he knew he would be bigger than his music. Like he's huge. Yeah. Um, there was, um, you know, along the same lines, uh, jamming, I mean, uh, there's a lot of songs, you know, that talk about uh, struggle and and war and people and yeah. a lot of things. Um, jamming. Um, is that off of Kaya? Because Kaya, to me, seems like that's the album that is about kind of like love and he gets away from all the angst and the social stuff. Now, jam, jamming is not off Kaya. I don't. I can't recall. I don't know. I I gotta get out my tapes but, but yeah. from the other room. But um, it's really not about anything except for jamming. You know, all right, we're jamming. Hope you like jamming too. And they and in this version, of course, it's live. Uh, so you, you get a little leash and, and take a little liberty and and jam it out. And it's like obviously musicians from number a number of different genres over time have noodled you know and and messed her like here's your basic song structure um but you know um maybe get a little boost of pizzazz or something when you're on stage and you you, you make that four minute 15 second song six minutes because there's a crowd and they're really into it but i mean to like musicianship wise to you know uh sort of set a tempo and a rhythm and okay, this is kind of where we're hovering. Um, and now we're going to take it this direction for a little bit. And maybe uh, over here is like we slow it down and the bass is more audible. And maybe you get a little knob turning and weirdness from the mad professor. And, you know, maybe you back it up over here and you got some percussion happening. Uh, but it sort of made me wonder like, is this sort of the, the birth? of the jam band scene. I mean, because be. like I mean, the dead's the happening, dead, obviously. Yeah, um, and you know, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, fish's first show is two years after Bob's gone. They've been around for a minute. Yeah. Uh, but fascinating. Uh, even if, you know, the dead never existed and the jam band scene never existed. I, I just love that. All right. We're jamming. Hope yeah. you like jamming too. I right. mean, and that's our song. Yeah. And it's, Five minutes. Hope, hope you dig it. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff. That's funny. It, you know, in in the same vein, it, it took me years to, to figure out um, No Woman, No Cry kind of has like the double entrant, like the kind of like the double meaning. Mm -hmm. It's like No Woman, No Cry. Like, and obviously he says, wipe your tears. So he's actually talking about the woman feeling bad that she's crying. Right. But you can also take it as if you don't have a woman, you're not going to be so sad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no woman, no cry. Right. So is that like double meaning? I don't know. I mean, I, at least, you know, maybe there's a third that we're not even aware of yet. But uh, um, <clears throat> so a little skip down the road to 86 and we land on Master of Puppets. Metallica, who's not making the trip with us to the desert island, but they were important to you for a time and may, maybe still are. Uh, how how did they, at one time, wind up in your 
in your basket. You know, that's a, that's a great record, man. I love it. Um, I still like it. And it's funny cause, uh, prior to that, things that were considered heavy were ACDC, uh, kiss, kiss, Motley Crue, yep. things like that, you know, Van Halen and all those bands, they still had, um, basically two, three courses, solo course over three minutes, you know, perfect radio format. Yep. And then my brother at the time was working for, uh, I want to say he was working for, he's always kind of been in radio. Okay. He, so he was working down with Johnny Dare. Was that Kiss what, or what, something? What's your brother's name? Paul Mollenkamp. Paul, if you want to come do an episode. Get my, <laughs> get my number from your brother. Yeah, he's down in Austin. Oh, but, right. My bad. But uh, anyway, he would get promo stuff all the time sure. from from working at the, at the radio stations. And so one day he came home and... Uh, he, he walked into my room, and at the time, I was probably really into Van Halen or something. And just kind of all the hair bands. Like, I mean, I never really liked a lot of the glam rock stuff, but some of it's actually good. We talked about this last night, like Cinderella. Sure. Cinderella oh. is a great band. It's unfortunate that they, you know, like... They they were part of the big hair like costume makeup thing, but dude, like the, musicianship, they're like great. I don't like that genre or that era, but they're my. I, but I love them. Right. I mean, and and they're not his, poison. They're Cinderella's like great, and they're a blues band. And yeah, they and ass. and his voice. Yeah. and you've never heard anything like that right, in your right, life. Right, and stuff. I think they only had like two or three. Records, right, I know, which is unfortunate. But um, so my brother comes in. And I guess he got this tape as a promo, Master of Puppets, and just basically threw it on the bed. And like, I popped that thing in and I was just like, hated it. And I'm like, why are these songs? First of all, that doesn't even sound like a guitar. The solos are ridiculous because <laughs> they're stupid and they're fast. They're all over the place. They're ridiculous because they're stupid. And why is the song every song nine minutes long it's like just irritating and i hated it and i was like god this is terrible and the voice and the screaming and the eyes like man i i can hate that shit i don't even know don't what that ever is. put a tape like that on my bed again <laughs> i couldn't stop listening to it i just could not man i thought i hated it but i just kept like wait a minute the moth to the porch lamp wait just a minute and like I, it didn't take very long until that was like all we were listening to. Okay. And we were like driving to high school and stuff. And that's what we would listen to before school, after school. It was like, yeah, master, like it was, it was a huge in, in, in that time of our lives uh, to the point, And I really am embarrassed about this, but they used to call me Metallatom. Okay. Uh, you know, and we did some young life stuff and worked out in Colorado and things like that. And it was like Metallatom was my nickname because okay. I was so into Metallica. I it's mean, like, oh God, oh it's well. the wor worst, like the worst. Well, I was, I was, uh, very anti, like that's not from uh, power chords and screaming. Yeah. That's for some other guy. Right. Not until this have I actually, I mean, I've heard Metallica, oh. of course, but I've never sat willfully really? sat down. Somebody else did. Uh, what do you think? I mean, well, somebody else did um, 
this is the third Metallica record, actually, because somebody did Injustice for All. Okay. Somebody did the Black Album. Okay. And now we have Master of Puppets. They um, all really, really are different. Yes. Records. The Black Album's incredible. I know it's the one that really exploded. Because it and- was produced, so they shortened their songs to make it more commercially viable and acceptable, and it was produced, I believe, by the producer of Bon Jovi, Slippery Wind Wet. Okay. Like, well, they completely changed it up. Like It's... How- yeah. It's full of hits. Full of hits, no um, doubt. And I don't dislike any of those hits. I'm right. not embarrassed to admit. Yeah. Uh, and Justice for All, um, I thought, for the most part, um, was every, every song had like uh, an intro that I found very appealing mm-hmm. and very beautiful mm-hmm. and an immediate hook. Mm-hmm. And then they'll two or three minutes into it, then all of a sudden you get like this pocket yeah. of, you know, yeah. which is, I don't, at that point I don't hate it anymore because I really like what you did to get me there. But I'm not, it's, I'm, it's not never going to be a go to for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that really sort of uh, allowed my appreciation for them to begin to blossom mm-hmm. listening to those two. And so, like, I liked Metallica a little bit better sitting down for this than okay. I ever have in my life. And what did you think of Master of Puppets? Um, obviously, at this point, I feel like the title track is almost kind of household name, if yeah. unless you've been living under a rock. Um, I thought it was good. Um, I didn't think it was um, wildly impressive, mm-hmm. but I didn't uh, listen to any track and go, oh, "That sucked." Mm-hmm. You know, they yeah. have a very—they're very skilled. They're very uh, intentional. They're very direct. Um, I, I think it's full of good. I mean, it's—I didn't. Well, shouts out to Cliff Burton who uh, they put this out and then went on tour in support of the record, and he had an automobile accident and passed away. It was actually, yeah, the tour bus flipped the over. The tour bus, the tour bus, okay. And he perished in, in that, which right. was devastating, you know, and he, he was played a big part on Kill em All and sure. Ride the Lightning. Yeah. Um, also, I didn't know uh, that uh, Dave Mustaine was part of Metallica before, yes. but was never on any records. No. Interesting. And he went to what, Motorhead? Uh, Megadeth. Oh, Megadeth, yeah. okay. And... Uh, and I want to say, and I could be totally wrong here, but I think Kurt Hammett was a classically trained musician, which is why you pick up on like the intros and things like that. Sure. And his solos are crazy. And I want to say that he went to Berkeley uh, okay. College of Music. Well, it could be. Uh, this is the first uh, album select metal album selected by a Library of Congress for, for preservation in the National Library, which... Interesting. I found fascinating. Also, uh, they went to um, uh, Joe Satriani for some recording advice and tidbits for mm. this record. And then um, what's, Getty Lee was going to produce it, but schedules never got aligned, so that didn't happen. But yeah, I respect the shit out of those two guys. The, the story that I've always heard was that um, so when the Black Album came out, they had been struggling with recording. They have like their songs. They're good. Their albums are solid, man. I have them all, like Kill Em All, Ride the Lightning. They're all like different in my opinion. Um, but none of them really sound great, except for Black Album is the one in 
I think the story was basically like somebody, the producer that came on to Black Album was like, I want to capture how you guys sound live because live you guys sound crazy, like awesome, great. Well, I think the approach was like they either used to record their tracks individually and then you figure it, figure it all out in the mix, but maybe for the Black Album they recorded together. Yeah, I it, think. Could, it could be. Because, man, I mean, And Justice for All didn't, it didn't sound, I, I don't know, man. I'm trying to think about that album. It's really weird that you said that about the sound, though, because, uh, but when I was done with this and I moved to your next record, yeah. I was amazed at how much I had to turn it up. And I, you would think the opposite for <laughs> Metallica, right. the kings of metal, yeah. that it would just be loud, loud, loud. Yeah. But I guess whatever was happening in the studio, whatever. Um, but no, I, I mean, I dug it. Um, I think, uh, welcome home kind of the tone and the mix of that. Yes. Gets, gets back to kind of that intro stuff that I loved from, uh, and then, I mean, they, uh, leper Messiah and Orion are just monsters. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yes. Like Orion's killer. And and I kind of feel like what's going on there though, is a lot of compression, Okay, can you, for the dumb and uninformed in the room, what what does that mean? Um, and I hope that's the right term, but like, so when you compress a track digitally, you're basically removing a lot of the highs and the lows, or okay. the dynamic I think like, you're right. range. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what they were trying to get them out of, was like, you're, you're between here and here, like I'm holding my hands like... 20, 80%, and there's nothing going above that or below that, but you cannot achieve that when you're playing live, right? Because right? when it's live, you're getting huge dynamic range, and I think people are like, man, I wish you could sound like you do when you play live. Right. And that's what they were trying to capture as they've developed like through their career. Um, and then uh, Damage Inc. Yeah. was a, a, a great closer, a wild mm-hmm. closer, mm-hmm. but... Um, I, you know, I, I don't, this, this record is, uh, important and special, uh, but I don't have the descriptors for why yet. I just know that it's like a thing to, you know, Hey, careful, careful. Like we don't want anything ha- to happen that it should be preserved. Like the, and the artwork is awesome. And we so often like forget about it, especially on vinyl records, how much artwork plays a role yep. in like how cool they are. And I mean, and for me, uh, I love, love, love the artwork, but uh, nerd alert, the credits and it, perhaps the lyrics are a part of the deal too. But, you know, yeah. f- finding out, uh, you know, who played what and somebody featured on track seven and, mm-hmm. oh, oh, this guy, mm-hmm. uh, there's two people credited for production. Why? And you, f- oh, because they, fired the first dude fight. uh yeah, and, yeah. but he still gets you That's know funny. um but uh g- good stuff um uh, we uh from from there we go a wild left turn to just a few years ahead 1989 and we've got a, a pair from that year and the first one's disintegration by the cure oh, yeah. um and you're closing uh, uh a fascinating personal triangle for me uh because part of the point of this is to wash off as much musical snobbery as I can. And I, I accumulated a lot along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, uh, the three C's were big thumbs down for me. And they were the, 
The Cult, The Clash, and The Cure. Okay. Uh, and now I've... And somebody has picked a record from all three of those. And so, again, first time actually sitting down. And, you know, it doesn't matter, like, why I decided what I decided way back when. But it's uh, I, I totally expected uh, this to feel like throwaway music. Mm. Like, just, meh, whatever. Mm. You know, it's kind of Depeche Mode, whatever. Mm. Not at all. Mm. Um, they, uh, 13 records, first and foremost, and have kind of still around hall of famers yes absolutely uh this, this is, one stood out as different than some of the other ones like the boys don't cry and the little poppier stuff of their earlier years and then <clears throat> they come out with disintegration with tracks that there might be a theme on the show how long is their average track like seven or eight minutes yeah, or something? yeah they're, they're a lot like, of sixes and sevens yeah, for sure yeah, yeah they're lengthy they're kind of jammy um they're loopy in terms of it, it, and it's interesting too because sometimes if you're not paying attention you think that it's one song and it actually turns out to be a different song yeah i gotta so, i gotta see what's happening with dogs right now so yeah, give me just a sec no problem all right uh the cure disintegration and uh, the, were we still on the track length i cut you off right in the middle of something yeah no um yeah so track length but a lot of it for me too is kind of back where i was during the evolution of kind of the technology of music so to put this in perspective cds were coming out right yeah we had been through so vinyl records they were great growing up. I love them and I still love them and I'm back into them. Thank God. But apparently everyone is. So they're so freaking expensive. They're so that, expensive. Yeah. So you're kind of like, eh, and, and uh, streaming for whatever reason doesn't do it for me. Um, I mean, obviously we rely on that. It's, it's simple when your kid needs something immediately, you know, hungry like a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a request from your two year old? Oh yeah. Nice. Oh, Dad, yeah. put on some Duran Duran. He's eating dinner and like, I was just like, hey are you hungry like a wolf you know and then um he was didn't understand it and then i was like alexa play hungry like a wolf. <laughs> and now i think it was friday because i'm like the morning guy the sure. daddy duty and so i get the pleasure of waking him up and all that stuff and he he, he i love it you know i love it best part of my day and so anyway he's like before he's even awake but he's still kind of dreaming. He's saying hungry like a wolf. Nice. Wow. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Um, but, but yeah, so I'm sorry. Um, um, but so to put this in perspective, CDs had just come out and I'm like, okay. And my very first CD ever uh, was Joshua Tree U2. And then fantastic the, album. And then the second one was Def Leppard Hysteria. Also a fantastic album. And then number three was Cure Disintegration. Wow. Okay. And this my, one's been with you for a minute. Right. And so my folks, this is folks, this is just when CDs are breaking, right? Sure. And like the thing was all like, man, CDs crystal clear, like unbelievable. You've never heard anything this great, all this other stuff, which turned out maybe not to be so true, but um those were the three and my my folks had a stereo system at this point they had upgraded so they had like some bose like 501 speakers and maybe a yamaha receiver. in the 80s 
Yes. Wow. Okay. Nice, and, mom and dad. And I didn't need a babysitter because I'm a teenager and they like to go out and do stuff, you know, responsibly or whatever. Sure. But I basically had the house, the stereo, the radio, the volume knob all to myself. I could throw these things on and blast it. And it's just like kind of brings back some good memories. A uh, thousand percent. Yeah. So all those, all three of those for sure. But like, I don't know. I, I, everyone knows that. Joshua Tree's great, and everyone knows like you two. Um, in, anyway, and and Def Leppard Hysteria classic. And I don't think Hysteria. It's come up a time or two on here. Uh, I don't think Hysteria necessarily gets the credit that it deserves, because uh, it felt uh, like it, it when it came out. It was like, oh yeah, this is uh, it's, it's it matches the times that we're in. Um, and uh, big kudos to them for coming out the other side of an accident and sort of being intact and uh it felt some cheesy moments but now like i really really respect even the cheesy moments of that record and and kudos for them for sticking with their drummer i i mean they had to read think the whole thing they're like look so our music's going to be different because the guy has one arm and we and it's gonna they have to play around that rhythm Yep. But they, you know, they figured were, it out. Put some foot pedals down and they they all were on board with that and yes. did it and it's like huge respect. Yes. Now as much love uh, and I'll, I'll I'll die on this hill. As much love as I want to I will continue to give to Hysteria. By the time we got to pour some sugar on me, I was like I'm, I'm out. I, I'm, this is not I agree. Sorry. Don't love you guys, but yeah. I'm going a different direction. Right. Um but Hysteria uh, Animal, there's some great tracks on there and then there's some other ones that excitable is not like right really right armageddon it <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm right. getting it uh, but come on man when you're like 14 years right. old it's cool yeah uh so i i didn't uh have any idea that uh robert smith had been part of susie and sushi susie and the banshees however you say that mm. um uh I didn't know really anything about them. Um, and so, like I said, I sort of expected it to be throwaway music, but uh, I mean, it's not, there's a lot of layers and textures to it. It's a uh, plain song. It's got a fascinating intro. Apparently uh, these guys were a huge uh, influence on the smashing pumpkins, yeah, which I didn't know I before, but yeah, I, exactly. I can see it. Um, love song, of course, uh, is the one that everybody probably knows from this record. Um, do you have others of theirs? Of the Cure? Yeah, other records. Yeah, I mean, I grew up with Boys Don't Cry. Okay. Um, and at this point, I basically on vinyl, I have Disintegration, and then I have kind of like one of those. I don't know gatefold kind of every song type thing okay okay i don't listen to a lot well like a greatest hits kind of thing yeah maybe okay Okay. something like that cool um so if you tomorrow meet someone that is uh say you're hosting a foreign exchange student and they are fully fluent in English. They can read it and write it. They know, like, they have a, a lot, a good broad sweep of American culture. They know, like, some a few movies and a few bands and mm-hmm. a, a few landmarks and uh, 
TV show, so on and so forth. Uh, how do you explain to them what goth is to this person coming over to this country or was? Well, in my opinion, they might have more goth, depending what country they're coming right. from. Right. Like Fair if point. it's anywhere Fair in point. Europe, right. then yeah. I would want them to explain to me okay. what goth is, okay. to be honest. But yeah. It's always been a fascinating concept to me that like a portion of uh, the American young American population landed in this lane where black and hair and makeup and yeah, uh, kind of a negativity sort of like, you know, uh, existed for as long as it did. And I think you can still see it from time to time. Um, and then these guys were like, uh, we'll be, we'll be the poster child children. Yeah, for yeah, that. it could be. I mean, and and it's weird because goth. Again, I travel a lot. I go to lots of different c- city centers and stuff, and I can see it throughout Latin America, okay. like Santiago, Chile, Bogota, um, São Paulo, obviously, like Mexico City. Any any city that's like kind of in that uh, over ten million people type disaster there's a lot of goth for some reason probably because people are like upset and pissed and 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 i think a lot of it is just the more you're surrounded by so many people you've got to do something to distinguish yourself and have an identity and so it's really kind of about that you know and i've got a guy down in brazil who we're really super good friends and he's been messaging me about avatars lately and how he thinks that avatars are going to be like a big deal, kind of like web 3.0 and avatars and distancing yourself. And I told him, I I totally disagree. I'm not going to take our conversation down that road, but, uh, I just, will you at least elaborate on what you mean by avatar? Not, yeah, not at, an icon on your social media page or your yes, website. Yeah, and like not, like you having an avatar that you can hide behind as you engage in professional and social media. Like really, yeah. this person believes that. Um, they think that yeah, they 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 kind of feel like it'll be the equivalent of um, personal branding that corporate branding already has, and that, okay. and I'm like it could serve, and I kind of responded that. It definitely serves a purpose for people that might have low self-esteem or are shy or timid or maybe not, maybe have disabilities or aren't attractive. And they, you know, everyone saw that, uh, that, what, why am I blinking? That movie, uh, not Avatar. No, not, not, yeah, no, not Avatar, but, um, uh, Ready Player One. You didn't see Ready Player One? I've never even heard of it. Okay. Well, Ready Player One, we got to get you started there. Okay. (laughs) That's all we need to talk about. Like, if you're listening to this podcast and you're wondering what we're talking about, just go read the book, actually. Okay. But they did make it a movie. It's called Ready Player One. And I swear to God, that's exactly where Facebook is going with Meta. And so if that's the type of world that you think is going to be fun to live in, certainly all of us can basically tell Mark Zuckerberg what we think about that idea. Okay. That's it's all right. It's, it's not, it's not the deal. 
Interesting. So what was well, help me get us back? What was the loop from goth to this notion of avatar? Just uh, an image, and, and this is just kind of. Um, I I feel that population, certainly culture, but uh, uh, distinguishing yourself. Right. It, it just kind right. of. It kind of feels like you're not. How many goth kids are you going to have in a town of like fifteen hundred people in Nebraska? They One. don't really need to distinguish themselves right. in that way to form an identity. Sure. But when you're in Sao Paulo and it's 28 million people, I mean, everyone, it's like kind of a human desire and instinct to have your own thing. Yes. And if that's the thing. Go with it. it it's, it's available. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. that's why I think that I think that's the appeal. And a lot of those gothy type people, I mean, they're super nice. Yes. Yeah. So, just a, it's just a thing. Yeah. Just a little thing you got to move, like a veil or yeah. a little, little layer of crust. You I've gotta, never met. It's not like they're, yeah, they're yeah. super. I mean, they're, they're, anyway. Well, from one fascinating uh, element of 1989 to another, mm. uh, Skid Row self-titled. Okay. Um, which uh, <laughs> is fascinating to me because I uh, didn't remember that there were four singles off of this record but i definitely remembered that this is the second uh song that I, my guitar teacher uh, was uh um, i remember you uh he started me off with uh, house of the rising sun and i got through that and then i worked on this for quite a while and never got far and then i eventually was not taking lessons anymore but yeah it's funny um specifically about guitar how easy these people can make certain things look um they're good like these aren't just bs riffs that these bands are right. doing right like has anyone tried to play like if you go to invasion of privacy from rat lay it down good luck right good luck or even like things like police you know it sounds very melodic. Okay, how do you stretch your pinky that far from your index finger on, you know, take your pick? But I mean, like just I, crazy, crazy good. Like, these riffs sound pretty, like, effortless, and they're they're not. I, I'm telling you, the like, the, I, I was taking lessons from this guy for a minute, but uh, I decided very early... Uh, that I was going to be good enough to not need my pinky. Because okay. I, I couldn't make the... I could get it there, but I couldn't put it where I wanted to put it or I couldn't apply the, the necessary pressure. Yeah. It was a really dumb uh, thing to think. And quickly I learned, I was like, oh, you, you got to have that digit. I mean... Well, I don't know. I think you could actually get away with it if you're doing pentatonic scale stuff. Sure. But and I think there's, I'm sure there's players that do it. I right. mean, imagine losing a digit. You're still going to have to figure it Jerry out. Jerry did, but he lost one on the, on the other okay. end. Yeah. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, but, yeah. So I, I just, I don't know. This is again, back to technology or whatever on the Skid Row album. What, what were you wanting to, did you have a, I, I, I kind of threw it on the list cause I, I, I have a funny story and it goes back to kind of how we were at that time. Um, which is similar to Napster. Like there's been several iterations of this type of thing, but we didn't have Napster and we didn't have like real, like creative ways to capture music that you want that honestly, I'm like, I didn't 
love them enough to pay $10 for a CD. Um, and there were places that were cheaper. I remember there was a place called Dizzy's Discount Discs, and that was fine, but they, they I don't really think were a legit record store. <laughs> I think they were more like of a cocaine distribution Sweet. thing, like laundering deal. Two birds, so, one stone. <laughs> so they're, they're, yeah, they're, their records were cheaper, but I do remember like those weren't the type of places that you could do what I'm about to describe because they wouldn't take returns. But Best Buy, Ooh. if it's unopened, you could always return it. And so I was like, okay, this is how, this is what I'm thinking about when I'm like 16 years old is I'm going to drive up to Best Buy. I'm going to buy the Skid Row CD for $10. But I have a system where I can play that CD and record it on a tape. Because I had like tape to tape recording, and then I could tape CD to tape. And I was like, okay, so all I have to do is open the package and then play it, record it, and then seal the package to where it looks like it wasn't open and return it to Best Buy, which you can do with a hairdryer, by the way. Right. So anyway... That was what we did back then um, to increase our library of of collections and so forth. And that's the only reason they made my list. Okay. Because it's just reminded me of, of being well, a uh, But yeah, I mean, not bad. And I want to say that Sebastian Bach was in line uh, as a candidate to uh, replace David Lee Roth for Van Halen. But I, I think... From what I can tell, he was confrontational at like most of his shows and stuff, and I don't know if it was because I liked, yeah, just kind of. I think that's been documented a time or two, right? And so I, I don't think they were like, well, I mean, we need him to kind of get along with our fans too. <laughs> so well, it's Sammy Hagar it is right, know, right. Uh, you know, the four singles, Youth Gone Wild, 18 in Life, I Remember You, and Peace of Me. I didn't, I don't, I wasn't familiar with Peace of Me and it didn't jog any memories, but no. I guess it was a single. Hmm. Uh, funny that these guys are from Jersey because it feels like that. Yeah. Uh, and then they're like Next door to bu- bon buddies with Bon Jovi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like yeah. that also tracks. Right, right. Um, they put out a record this year. Uh, Skid Row uh, or Bon Jovi? Skid Row. Oh. Uh, first since tw- 2006, I think. Same members? Or? The Gang's All Here is what it's called. So oh. probably, I didn't I didn't go that far, but yeah. I was like, oh, they're still making music. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. Um, two years ahead from 89, and we land in 91 with Octung Baby. Oh, yeah. Which I was, uh, this was kind of a divisive album mm. for my core of high school friends and that mm. uh, a couple of them and still right now are like very big YouTube fans. And, and I think everybody in my circle liked them on some level or another. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was like, I can't, I can't, I have now because uh, I've given it a, a, a recent listen, a very recent listen. Um, but I, I refused because of mysterious ways okay. and that, fake bullshit sounding dr- I was like these guys were rattling Joshua Tree Boy War October like what and uh, revered and adored Im- immediately and I was like I, I I can't go along for the ride but if you sit down with the whole record there's a lot of really good tracks on it so yeah um you know I I definitely know Keith uh he says it's his favorite okay. U2 album and 
Boy, I I don't know what I would pick, but I think kind of the draw of certain albums and bands and records is when they hit during like your own personal history. So for us, we're talking about college. We're talking about some of our like first serious girlfriends, our little parties. Excellent our, point, yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's kind of like... You two at the sorority party, at the dance, you know, whatever, and drinking with your buddies and just like kind of that in the background. And in the other one was at, at college, I had some shitty job. Everyone has a shitty job, but it's fun. Uh, but I had, I worked at like the rec room at the student union. Okay. And it was like early hours. So it was like, get up, get there at 6 a.m. And then kind of dust off the pinball machines and the pool table and take the broom and just kind of like whatever. And there was a jukebox in there and I had the authority to play just random stuff, whatever. And maybe, maybe it just kind of played on its own, but I can't tell you how many songs off of this album. And then the other one was the red hot chili peppers that I would hear working that job that i mean i just can't have it out of my life i mean blood sugar sex magic yes yeah of course under the bridge and just kind of like a lot of those tracks that were big at the same time Mm -hmm. and 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 in my opinion there was oh i can't say that i'm not gonna say it i was gonna say there's not really a better decade for music than the 90s but i'm not gonna say that okay stupid yeah but the 90s is certainly the 90s up is there. a very very good decade for music. A lot of my favorites came out and that decade. And that's when we were in college and it's just like, man, and when they say they don't make them like they used to, I am really really trying people to, <laughs> to give you the benefit of the doubt, but it's almost like when streaming came along and you don't have to focus on putting out a solid 12 track record that you can get by with like a hit, two hits or something. They're not focused on records anymore. No. And no. it hurt. Yeah. Uh, well, I think there's that. And I also think that uh, you can have a Howie Day who has this, I think, uh, fascinating mind and talent and, and the ability to uh, create this thing. And also like it's enjoyable, but, some of that, or maybe all of that technology that he uses, it's also available to other people that might not be as driven. And so you can just go boop, here's your loop. And then uh, I can buy a microphone and wrap into it and record it on the same, or, or sing into it. it doesn't necessarily have to be rap. Uh, but I think it's, it's not too difficult to lazily write and produce music if that's what you want to do. I mean, I'm not really buying full records. Um, I, I still buy records. I, I collect vinyl records or whatever, but I can't think of... When you talk about recent creations, it's kind of hard for me to take a chance on an artist. You know, I know Taylor Swift... Midnight's just came out. Yeah. Thursday at midnight. I think yeah, and then something about, like, she did a 3 a.m. after midnight, like, compilation at 3 a.m. on the same time or whatever. And But but the, I think the most recent, recent actual 
when I talk about record acquisition and I'm talking recent artists, my most recent one was Doja Cat. And it's because I trust her to put out a solid body of songs on a record okay. that I will pay for. Okay. Doja Cat. Yeah. What's, so I did it. What's the name of the record? It's freaking awesome. What's it called? Um, Planet Her. Planet Her? Yeah. And it came out this, this year? year? Okay. To follow up Hot Pink, which was really, really good. Dude. And I don't know if you're they're going to... You're making me look bad. I don't I know. I got to brush up on my Doja Cat. I don't know if they're going to stand up. No one really knows. Like, pop songs, they either do or they don't. You know, I don't know. I mean, Michael Jackson did a pretty good job of making them stand up. Yeah. You throw on Thriller these days and it's like, good. You yeah, know, it's yeah. like really good. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Doja Cat or these some of these people, Lizzo, I don't know if they're going to sound good five years from now or not but i mean it's not that big of a gamble if if it's what you want to hear right now yeah. i mean got some drake got some uh uh what was the other one we were talking about i don't have lizzo um i don't know uh but but, but here's megan here's, the stallion here's one that i think stands up a lot of people, you're either going to like this comment or you're not. But man, the Beastie Boys are just up there for me. Well, I... They are. I like, I listen to them. I'm never disappointed. I've heard them all a million times. They, they, they're they just so kind of like good. Even when they came out, it's just, it hasn't really aged or got rusty because it's so old. It's right. good. Um, and they're it's killer right around the corner. Okay. Um, I, I was surprised. I maybe, maybe I learned this and then forgot, but mm. Daniel Lanois and Brian Eno, uh, the guys behind, uh, Octung baby, uh, per, from production standpoint. And that totally tracks. I didn't know who those guys were now then, mm. but I do now. And mm. they're, they're, known for kind of going different directions sonically um uh, and even better than the real thing as much as i hated mysterious ways when that came out and they're doing this whole you know kind of what about zuropa uh i i was i was gone i I was like nope they lost me with the last one so what i what i'm thinking though is if you're you too you have to do something you have to move. You reinvent have to, yourself. You, you can't stay static. There was con- there was conflict in the recording sessions mm. of this be- of what is our musical direction going to be? Because you have to do yep. something. In and my then, opinion, and I then think. they found their groove to make this record after recording one, okay. which yeah. like I don't know how you could possibly not absolutely love that song. Correct. It's so wonderful and powerful. Sure. Um, but it, uh, fascinating that they, uh, you know, uh, until the end of the world is a really good track too. So cruel, good track one year skipping ahead and, and fascinating that you chose this record 1992, check your head, beastie boys. Uh, we've had one person do licensed ill and several people do Paul's boutique. Mm. Um, I feel like I, Anytime I try to talk about the Beastie Boys, like in my head, I'm like, this has to be cool. This better be good because it's the Beastie Boys and they deserve. And, but I never, I, I feel like I'm just constantly striking out. So I, I want you to take the lead on this one and why this one. Okay. Well, so it occurred to me 
that people are like, okay, if you could meet up with somebody dead or alive, like who would it be? And you want it to be somebody fun or I don't know. It comes up in different scenarios. Like if you're at an auction or who, anyway, I was thinking, I think it would be really, really cool to meet up with someone like MCA. Okay. The clear leader of beastie boys. I think they would all agree about that. He's kind of the one that formed the band. Um, but why check your head? I think because Paul's Boutique just gets so much, like, people just, without even thinking, without even hesitating or whatever, what's their best album, Paul's Boutique? And I'm like, I like Paul's Boutique, but check your head's, like, better. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Booty. Right? I mean, just so many... And it's really when they started doing a new mix of things. So I don't think up until, so you went through License to Ill, whatever. It kind of felt like a one-hit wonder, like these guys are coming onto the scene, not really serious. That's another one where my buddy came over, my house was the go-to house. He put the cassette tape in, hit play, and I heard these fucking whistles and shit. From do to do, I'm like, this fucking sucks, man. What is this shit? But it was put the that in the master of puppets stack. But it was the Beastie Boys, and it was really cool because you got like um, lots of uh, lyrics about beer and women sure. and things like that. Yeah. You know, Paul Revere, like just songs like that, and of course they're good. Yeah. I mean, and you're that age where it's funny and good, and it it's gonna grow on you, yep. especially if you go to college and join a fraternity. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. Everyone's listening to it. But it's like they had evolved. Obviously, Paul's Boutique was huge because they had their hit. They had to pivot because you can't just be like those. Same thing with you too. Right, you, you have, have to... to pivot. So they took some time to make that record and they actually played, you know, the, this is a band that started out as a punk band. So yeah, they didn't right. know how to play some instruments, but they kind of honed in on that and tons of sampling, love it. Leaders of the of the hip hop sampling or just musical sampling of all time. Um, but when you get to like check your head, they were really starting to focus on instrumentals. Well, I so uh, anytime uh, I'm in a conversation with somebody and and BC Boys are getting props, it's one of the first thing that they go. Oh, they played their own instruments, and it's like really like not a lot of not till this on... not till this record Correct. was the first time that there's right. a real concerted effort right. to we're we're making contributions on these things, and you play this and I play. Right, and you get from that, if if you don't like the whole rap thing or whatever, go out, do yourself a favor, and get, like, In Sound from Way Out. Dude, really right? good record. And, and just throw that on, and yeah. you're going to be like, okay, what is that? Well, it's Check Your Head, and... Uh, uh, not... Um... It's ill communication. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's ill communication and check no, your head. Nothing from Hello Nasty. No. Um, and no. then they have eight and I'm not familiar with a handful but, of but, them. But yeah. In sound from way out is check your head and ill. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Ill communication. Adam Boyd it, was right. Adam fucking Boyd. ill communications. Badass too. Yes, Love it is. Yes, it. it's it is. It's really, really good. I, I hate to, I hate to even have to pick what is good. 
Right. But man, check your head. I can tell you the one that I sweated the most trying to find. God, I think I had to buy it from freaking Europe was check your head on vinyl, you know? No kidding. Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, I apologize to all the local record stores. Um, You're doing great. And I do know that you did get it back in stock. I get that. It's been tough. I heard like some vinyl, like prime material plants burnt down. There's been a huge issue of like sourcing. vinyl records, yeah, of sourcing and being out of stock. So and I support local, please. Do you, you should mill records unless you really, really need to find something and you're dying. Then by all means, buy it from Europe. Uh, <laughs> I uh, mill records and and records with merit. Uh, 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 Josie Records as well. Where's that? Um, down in the crossroads. Okay. Yeah. A good good place. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Like awesome people. Awesome. Josie J O S I E. Okay. Yeah. Um. So really, Beasties. I mean, we get the instruments. Uh, I I wanted to touch just briefly on their importance in the chapter of American history, the American music history. I mean, they're they're uh, uh, way up there. Uh, in my opinion, in terms of importance, and you know, it's certainly not to be glossed over. And and if most fun wins, right? Right. Like yeah. who? Who? Like man, I'm gonna yeah put them up there. You want, for, you <laughs> want James Taylor? Or you want the Beastie Boys? I mean, <laughs> yeah. come on. First first record where you get a money mark appearance, um, and also they to not not across their whatever. Uh, they toured with Madonna, Run DMC, Public Enemy, Cypress Hill, The Rollins Band, Tribe Called Quest. Like those had to be some good times. I and mean, when you have the OGs ripping them off, they know that they're on to stuff. Right, you know, right. Um, so definitely, I mean, I can't think of a more innovative group in that genre. No, and a lot of people are gonna probably tell me I'm wrong, but I mean, nah. Whew. I'm too. I'm too small to have haters. So like, I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, uh, we make a big leap to 2015, uh, and maybe this is uh, a mistake on my part, but I, uh, Baile das Formigas by Noites du Norte. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was, I, was I correct in putting this one on or did I, was I off? Noites du Norte, it's like, it's going back to Caetano and his like kind of catalog and stuff. I really like that record or that album. It's a double double record it's live and it's the tour that i saw him okay, play. okay and the opening track which is not that one that 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 track if i can remember is kind of something more from the northeast like pernambuco type uh which is not really necessarily the style of of brazilian music that i like um you've got Obviously, everyone knows of samba, which is can be kind of like jazz. Um, but then there's also samba, like carnival. Right. Then you've got the MPV, which we've talked about, which is the Caetano, Gilberto Gil, Marisa Monchi. Uh, you've got Ache, which is the really, really fun dance stuff that happens out of like Salvador Bahia that's like drives carnival and is super fun and that's the one that like you'll be amazed at how some of the girls dance and whatnot sure like looks good yeah close your mind yeah uh but 
that particular song, the Formigas one, that is something from like the interior of uh, Pernambuco that's like a little bit caipira is what they call it. And I'm just not quite sure that, that anyway. Yeah, but again, um, percussion, percussion, percussion. Well, I listened to the whole, the whole record is fantastic. Yes. Um, it's also the... And there's some bossa nova as well sure. I skipped over, but yeah, he's really okay. got that groove going um this is the first record that uh anybody has picked that uh has like basically uh, aside from accessing the music itself it does not exist on the web there's no google results there's no wiki there's no if you go to uh spotify or apple or amazon there's no window you can pull up that really? gives you a little summary yeah it's lit like just just the music huh uh so i was like this is I mean, it, refreshing. Did to you li- like it? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, it's uh, it, it, it becomes it's, it's a weird thing. There's you know peaks and valleys mm-hmm. when it when it when I'm listen intentionally listening to music for the first time and trying to like read about that record and read about the band and make notes and manage time. You know, it's it it's it's fascinating one day and then it's anxiety provoking the next and all so when there's absolutely nothing it's just the music right uh, and when you speak portuguese and you understand what he's talking about i mean a lot of it is just really in support of the um kind of like the slavery situation that happened in brazil and like the um diaspora from from africa to brazil so he talks a lot about angola i think a lot of their their um, their slave trade originated from the country of Angola, which also they speak Portuguese okay. uh, in, in Africa. So I, I'm assuming that if you dial into the countries that speak Portuguese in Africa, those are primarily kind of where that Brazilian population came from and in in, from the diaspora of, of, of that era. Interesting. So you're looking at like Mozambique. Sure. Angola. Um, so that's your list. We're, uh, we've got a couple minutes before 8.30, so I think we did. But De- Desert Island Records or, or bands or artists that you want to give a shout-out? or Sure, yeah, man. Gosh, that one, everyone has said that this is a, a really tough call, and it is. Um, but to, to recap, um, it's... Not so much my favorite songs or my favorite bands. We're looking at breadth of catalog and the situation. So I'm already going to be pissed off that I'm stranded on an island. I don't, <laughs> I don't need Metallica to like make it worse. Right. So we're going to calm things down. We're going to go with Bob Marley. Okay. We're going to go with uh, Beastie Boys because okay. we got to keep it fun. Sure, got to have and a party. They got like a good catalog. Yes. Uh, Do you like Hello Nasty, by the way? You know, that's actually one, that's, I think, the only one that I don't own. Oh. So I don't know, but I think that I do. You should I just don't own it. Get it. It's, yes. I mean, even if it's just that way. But, and, and also, do you know the rest of their lesser known studio albums or no? Yes. Okay. And fa- relative fans of all of, the, all of them? Yes. Okay. Yes. Love it. Beasties, yes. Bob. Yes. What? Who else is coming I with? I mean, I literally have everything that they've done except for Hello Nasty, and I've tried to get that one. It just hasn't been an opportune time. Okay. Um, so that's why, and I, I'm very strict with what I'm willing to pay. So it'll come when it needs to come. Okay. 
Yeah. That's how, how it should be, I think. Yeah, so we're looking at, um, so yeah, Bob, uh, we got Bob Marley, we got Beastie Boys, we definitely have Caetano Veloso, he's got to show up if I'm on a beach, he's got to be there. Um, I think we'll go with, God, I had these planned out so well, and then like I'm kind of like blinking. That's okay. But it's like maybe, I don't know, the Almond Brothers sounds like a pretty good pick. And then I think originally I was thinking about going a different direction with something like Miles Davis. Oh, wow. Because I need something. Right. And so you kind of got, you want to cover hip hop, you got the reggae, you need sure. a little bit of rock. So that could be something like a Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, but talk, yeah. Talk but, about somebody that kicked out of a bunch of albums. Miles Davis. For a minute, it felt like he was never going to stop. Yeah. I mean, his d double list. I mean, and we listen to that a lot. You know, you've got your dinner music, and then you got your fun music and sure. your party music. But in at my, the house, you in, listen. To in my jazz? household, when it's dinner time, it's usually something instrumental, and cool. it's going to be like um, a well-known jazz album. But cool. Yeah. Very cool. But definitely, kind of blue is getting worn out sure. on our turntable all the time we do play in sound uh from way out okay uh, for dinner and then we do a lot of like kind of bossa nova compilations sure and the, um the stan gets type stuff oh cool gilberto stan gets so. um let's see. but yeah man that's pretty much it and uh uh, if you go to episode 33, the dude did 15 jazz albums. Oh. Um, and there were five, uh, um, uh, Miles Davis quintet records in there. Okay. Uh, four from the original, because there were two quintet, four from the original quintet and one, maybe I mistakenly added that one and he didn't want it added, but, um, I mean, I really only had kind of blue and bitches brew, uh, mm. and not not a very familiar uh, relationship with bitches brew, but those are really the only two that I'd ever listened to. And from Davis, yeah, and dude, yeah, I mean, fantastic. I mean, yeah. you know, Coltrane and uh, yes. everybody is just spot on and fantastic. Right. So uh, you wake up tomorrow, and money is no issue anymore for the rest of your life because of this wild imaginary thing that happened crypto but all okay. of your people all of your people have more money than anybody can spend before they're dead yeah. you, you've obviously got a little one uh and you've got a, a music uh as a hobby but uh if if you no longer uh need to work to provide for your family for generations to come what are you what are your days looking like? Are you are you returning to live abroad? Are you traveling? Are you starting a business or, or beginning new hobbies? What, where, where's your happy spot? Um, definitely uh, a little bit of both, like <clears throat> hobbies, um, being the best dad that I can. Excellent. Travel has always been there. I mean, the reason I do what I do is, I mean, I like to travel. Sure. We like to travel. My 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 wife likes to travel. My boy is going to Malaysia. Um, that'll be his first plane ride, and we're terrified because it's 24 hours. Oh, my with, God. With, yeah, so we got to work on that, but that's part of being in my family. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it would be definitely travel and the learning that comes with that. There's, 
still several places that, and for me, like going somewhere for a week or two is not what I'm talking about. I really like the immersing yourself yeah, just in the culture, like a few months or something yeah. or, you know, and, and I speak a few languages. My wife speaks a few languages and it's fun, you know, cause you really can order what you want and understand where to go. And, cool. um, when you have friends there, like you can really get to the express lane of hopefully that country and that culture. Um, so, uh, that would be one of them. I definitely want to spend more time with music, playing guitar. Um, I own some guitars. It's just for me right now, it's a time thing. And then the final thing would be disc golf. Uh, okay. I, I do like disc golf. That's not a secret. I've played for a long time. But man, there's been some injuries and some setbacks. Sure. Um, but uh Sest if I, I. If, 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 if yeah so if i if i had some additional time i would actually probably like to practice some more and get better and there is a professional tour now nice and you can kind of make some money on it really make a t- yes okay million dollar contracts now. wow yeah look out yeah um so you i meant to ask you earlier uh you said that there's um some visible elements of brazilian culture uh in your house and that you maybe cook sometimes what are the what are the staples of brazilian cooking beans and rice okay there's it's not like steak and chimichurri uh, uh well definitely not chimichurri that's, that's from uh, argentina yes and they might have that in like Rio Grande do Sul, the very south of Brazil. But for the most part, it's just like Chihuahua. Like you have uh, good cuts of, you know, the way they cut a, a cow is different from how we do. So okay. their cuts are different. <clears throat> they have like picanha and, and whatever. Like you would have to have a good relationship with your butcher here to get the cuts that they're doing down there for their barbecue. Um their shuhasco, which is, but for the most part, beans, rice, uh, a lot of beef, but my wife doesn't eat beef, so that's kind of off the menu. Sure. Um, and then when you're on the, if you're in the inland, like the Pantanal, which is where I lived, or if you go up to the Amazon or anywhere on the coast, you're getting some really incredible fish and seafood. And they like moqueca. So if you like a fish stew made in like fresh coconut milk with some peppers and all kinds of good stuff served with rice and beans, it's sure. delicious. Okay. And then are there other elements? Gastronomically, and my wife would probably disagree, but she's actually never been to Brazil. Because she's going to say Malaysia has the best food and diversity sure. and all this stuff. And that's true. I mean, they've got, they, they've got maybe like 30% from India and you've got 15% from China. You got all kinds of things going on in Malaysia. Right. That's kind of the same recipe that they have in Brazil. Okay. So in Sao Paulo, the largest Japanese popu- population outside of Tokyo is Sao Paulo. Really? Yes. Now, so think about the amount of Japanese people in Sao Paulo surpasses the second largest city in Japan. Now this is S A O, Sao Paulo. But Sao Paulo. it sounds like you're putting an N 
on it. No, no, Sao, Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo. Yeah, Sao. S-A-O. Yeah. But then you do a nasal sound. Okay, Sao, that's, Sao what, that's yeah. what I'm picking up on. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and then, so Sao Paulo is a little bit different than the rest of Latin America. So you got the Japanese, they live in um, Liberdade, is like kind of the neighborhood area of Sao Paulo. And then you've got a ton of Italians. And it's really, really funny because every Brazilian thinks that they're fluent in in Italian because they have their soap operas and they always have like the old school Italian stuff and they kind of mix like the Portuguese with Italian and everyone thinks they speak Italian because they had you global. But, uh, and then you've got Lebanese, oh, tons yeah. of Lebanese, they have delicious food and then you have tons of Germans. Okay. And so Blumenau in Santa Catarina has the biggest Oktoberfest. The second largest Oktoberfest in the world is in Blumenau. Wow. And I recommend everyone check it out. You're automatically thinking about Munich. But man, if you throw that together with some Brazil, you're going to have fun. Nice. And it's like 700,000 people go to this thing. It's amazing. I've been... Don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> Check it uh, out. So are there other uh, el- visible elements of Brazilian culture in your home? Oh, yeah. Artwork. Okay. Cool. Um, just lots of stuff. Yeah. Nice. But, yeah. Um, well, Artwork, pottery, things like that. Very cool. Um, we should get you out of here. Uh, did we... How did how did we do? Did we... Did we measure up to expectations did oh we, yeah was it okay did, oh yeah okay no i had a i had a ball good yeah i good. think it's great i hope that i lived up to your expectations 100 you're really... you're here yeah we're okay. wrapping up an episode yeah, that's yeah. about yeah. getting people to show is the only other shout out that i wanted to give was to a guy named stan sheldon okay who's the bass player of peter frampton ah, and i didn't yes. really know anything about peter frampton until I lived in Costa Rica, uh, I was studying down there, and Stan Sheldon was my neighbor. So pura, pura vida. I was like, yeah, pura vida, Stan. He was reinventing himself, trying to learn some Spanish. He's my neighbor, got a degree from the University of Kansas, and we became super Rock buddies. Chalk. And uh, the next thing I know, I have an international career. He gets back with Frampton. They're traveling the world, and I'm meeting them in weird ass places throughout Seriously? Europe. Yeah, like so, I saw them at Hammersmith oh, in wow. London. Okay, and I saw them in like Italy and Spain and like Johnson County of all places. But wow, they were on their world tour, and it would match up with my schedule. And he'd have VIP like backstage passes and stuff, and I'd walk around London maybe the day of because I've got these tickets. I'm single. I'm going to pubs because there's a pub on every corner. I'm chatting it up with the locals, mainly the females. Sure. And I'm like, hey, you want to go see Peter Frampton? Everyone's like, who the fuck is Peter Frampton? <laughs> <laughs> what are you kidding me? Talk bucks, guitar. It was hilarious. Girls. And I could not find one person. And so I was like, shit, I'm going to show up early. I'm sitting outside the venue. I'm literally trying to give the tickets away and no one would take them. Damn. So I was like, fuck it, I'm going. But shouts out to him for sure for hooking you up. Oh, yeah. That's pretty oh, yeah. sweet. So anyway, but that's that's all I got for this episode. Cool, man. And it's well, been a blast. Thank you. Yeah, it's been uh, really fun. Appreciate you being here. A pleasure uh, to meet you. If well. you, it, 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 same, the pleasure is mine. If you think of anybody or cross paths with anybody that you think would in, enjoy, I mean, feel free to send them my way or give yeah. them my contact info. And, okay. 
Uh, I'll shoot I got this. a guy for you, but he's busy. But he's like a PhD in jazz and like. Oh boy. He, he, he would. You would need like two weeks with that dude. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right.